0: Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. With me today is Cam, still filling in for Brad, we hope to see again very soon. And uh, in the meanwhile, though, we want to tell you about a couple of things that are coming up. I've been terribly remiss in not telling people about the Patron Saint Zoom party this weekend. Saturday, 11 o'clock. Pacific time, two o'clock Eastern. Cam, hopefully you will join us. Hopefully Binkley will be there. And we are going to talk about anything, anything you want to talk about. We've got some folks coming who want to talk about living entirely off the grid. I'm hoping someone will show up who knows a little bit about de-documenting yourself. I don't know if you've heard of that movement. But if you are a patron saint... Uh, On our Patreon, patreon.com slash propaganda report, you will be able to open the post that has the Zoom link in it. So you can join anytime until then. Otherwise, maybe we'll put, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, a little excerpt of it if everybody agrees that it's okay. And so even if you're not a patron saint, you may still be able to hear a bit of it, get a little taste. And then tonight, of course, we have a, I would say it is the most fun I ever have. And as a guest on a podcast, I am going to be your guest tonight on We Are the Mad Ones.
1: Yeah. The Mad Ones tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash the mad ones.
0: Yes. So if people haven't been to a DBP or a Zoom party with me, this is your chance to have a live experience. So make sure you're logged into YouTube when you click on that and watch us, and then you can chat. And it gets, it's pretty funny because you're, your listeners, are a little edgier than my listeners. So people can can pop in and realize that even though we think we get a little crazy in the GPP, it's pretty, well, you guys can get crazier. So let's see how crazy it gets. <laughs> so uh, talk about crazy. There was, there is this ongoing hearing in, I guess it's Senator, Senate, because it's Chuck Grassley who's asking questions. Today, about FBI conduct in the Larry Nasser investigation, and I am sympathetic to two of the of the issues the issues that you're supposed to be sympathetic towards one is that uh sexual abuse and sexual harassment is it's horrible it's damaging it's very hard to report it's very painful to have to try to expose or get justice most of the time to- most of the time you'd really just want to. Get out of the situation and not make a stink, you will. It's just, it's terrible. It's a terrible experience. And the people who did come out against Nasser and blew the whistle on him and stopped him from what he was doing was courageous. And I, I actually find it a little, you know, there's something smacks of like over the topness when the judge in his case had hundreds of women come in and say, that he abused them, that they didn't even know that what he did was abusive until years later. And he was a gynecologist. And if someone, if someone who wasn't a gynecologist did stuff, wasn't he the gynecologist?
1: I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm just oh I'm yeah, just listening a Yeah,
0: I think he was the gynecologist. So so if anyone did to you what a gynecologist does, it would absolutely be sexual abuse, no question about it. But if it's Mike, so. Just sticking to the facts, he was—he actually pled guilty to plea bargains, so he was not convicted of, by a jury. Uh, in in a very limited number of things, I think he had kiddie porn. That's that he definitely pled guilty to having that. That's gross. the federal charge. Yeah, it was totally gross. It's not—it's like a bad sign for somebody to get off on that stuff when he's the gynecologist for adolescence. It's very—you know—that should be disqualifying <laughs> right there. Of course and then what he did there there were a couple of alleg- the a couple of the official i believe this is what, the case that he that he did plead to in the state court which was where it was actual abuse um that he was going to jail forever basically which is sounds right and it, but the two cases that i was reading one was uh, a girl who I think was the child of a friend of his. So that abuse happened since she was a little girl in her own house or in his house. It was a terrible, terrible story. I really felt for that girl. Then another one I was reading was a um, plaintiff, Erica, who said that he had, under the guise of some extended treatment, raped her when she was a virgin. She said she got pregnant and miscarried and didn't even understand the nature of the trauma. She talked to friends. They eventually fired a police report, filed a police report, and that's what was in the court filing against him and some other people. So it seems very clear to me that this guy is what they say he is. However, when you bring hundreds of people in, I think some of those some of those women were able to access a fund that was put together for his victims. Now that in my mind takes away from the people who did have the case that got him to, got him off the streets. Basically I would, you know, I just, and plus it gives people incentives if they are thinks, if they think there's money to make allegations that don't rise to the level of a criminal case. So that, I think, in the end, kind of serves the opposite purpose, which could impart incredible, not credible allegations against him and make it less likely for people to always believe the woman. I really don't like it. when It, it feels commercial to me. And when I was listening to the hearing today, there was one, uh, Reisman, I think her name was, who was a very, obviously, very rehearsed. The, the statement she read was really full of stuff you read in, like, very current pop psychology right now, validating and invalidating and, you know, just a lot of stuff that seemed to be, I mean, it's obviously scripted. And she was coming out strongly for a policy agenda, which is to take action at the FBI, to go after these guys, to change their procedures. So naturally, I thought that there would be some major policy agenda coming down. And when I looked at the... What actually the the reforms that they put in place that were recommended by Horowitz, who was I guess investigator, and all of the reforms seem to be pertinent to child sex abuse. They seem fine, and the FBI is adopting them. I fully expect another shoe to drop here. I mean, because when when what you're saying is, it's kind of like the Facebook thing with the Wall Street Journal yesterday when they said, well, some people get a pass from extreme censorship, so. The solution isn't that everyone should get a pass from extreme censorship, but that the people who get a pass should no longer get the pass. In the FBI case, I, I want the FBI to be held accountable for their actions and inactions and for picking and choosing who they go after and who they don't go after. But what I'm afraid will happen here is that that they will increase the likelihood that they go after people who are the victim of false allegations only because that in itself will increase their power. If, if, you, if you lower the bar for what's credible or where the evidence is, then you open it up for political persecution against people who are being persecuted for a different reason. Like I talked about Donald Sackleben, who was a whistleblower on an inside job bomb, the second Yemen underwear bomber, which ended up being an MI6 agent. And they put him in jail for kiddie porn they found on his computer. Now, I don't know if it really was on his computer or they planted it or they always had it there, knew he was one of those guys. They could always pull the trigger on but didn't stop him with the kiddie porn until he did something wrong. They had used it for blackmail. I don't know. But it sets things up for abuse when you can give carte blanche to the government and allow them to pick and choose. So this seems Kosher. It seems commercial, but it seems like I don't. I don't see the policy agenda yet. I am interested in where it's going, though. So I'm going to keep an eye on this story.
1: Yeah, it seems just like an automatic poisoning of the well to offer some kind of reward or incentive for people to, I won't say snitch, but you know what I mean. To to give to come forward with these stories, of
0: course. And I don't know if they were if they knew about that going in or what but it it is a perverse incentive or a moral hazard is what that would be called a moral hazard.
1: Well, and it's like, uh, one of the things that convinced me of, uh, you know, one, Juanita Broderick, the woman who was raped by Bill Clinton. And I'm not saying allegedly, cause I actually believe her full, full on. I believe her. She claims and re- it
0: and you believe it credibly yeah. So, claims.
1: Yeah, very well. And that's the thing. The reason I found it credible was that there was another woman who I can't remember the name of right now, who also came forward with allegations and it hadn't been released to the public. They hadn't talked to each other and they put in the same exact details of of what he did. His MO. Yeah. And so it was, it was like, he would really bite hard down on their lips. And like, there were these different little things that weren't released to the public that she came forward and said. And so it's like, when, if at that point I, I, I was young when all of this happened, I looked into this later on in life. But um, if I had seen 120 other women saying the same thing and not mentioning that, but having very canned responses or like with any of the other allegations that have come up over the few years, like what's that? What's that woman's name that said that Trump raped her Jean something? I don't I can't remember. remember. I don't name. believe
0: that about. Yeah.
1: I don't believe I any didn't. of
0: the stuff they say about him. He. I I remember his M.O. He would point to women who he wanted propositioned and someone would proposition them for him. And Clinton had a similar M.O., but that was where it stopped. He was cheap and he's a germaphobe, Trump. So I don't think he went with prostitutes. I don't don't think he went with porn stars. I don't think he paid anyone to pee on anything near him ever. (laughs) I was behind him once at the the Korean grocery or whatever the corner stores were called back then or what they were back then where Korean immigrants had these particular type of little grocery store. And I was behind him once online and he just pointed to all the junk food he wanted. And one of his goons actually touched (laughs) it and paid for it and everything. So I believe the germophobia. Her
1: her name was E Jean Carroll. That was her name. And it was, what was crazy about her is you could watch her on the news. She was talking to Anderson Cooper and um, she mentioned rape as if it were some sort of fantasy that people have. I mean, and it was just really? like all of the th- the things that she was saying were like not things that people. It's say. It's like
0: hearing Caitlyn Jenner talk to transgender people as if that was the person that that he or she had the same experience. Yeah. You know, did you ever hear Caitlyn Jenner talk to transgender people? Oh yeah, they'll say stuff, and he's like, "Really? I'm like what? What are you <laughs> talking about? Like, didn't you have that? We've all had that experience. It's like, oh, I was, I was." I was married to my third wife at that time.
1: But yeah, there was there was another high profile guy that had like tons of people coming after him. And it was, as I read through different things, I was like, this one doesn't sound real. This one doesn't. And so it's regardless of whether or not it was real, I, I want to believe women. I want to protect women. That's what I am as a man. But it's still, God, the idea of that many people coming forward because they could get a book deal or because well, that's they can make the some thing. money.
0: Like generally in real life, it's my personal experience and the experience of other people I know, the last effing thing you want to do. I mean, I, I, I'd i be surprised if any woman hasn't had something inappropriate or uncomfortable on the first level or sexual harassment at work on the second level or actual sexual abuse or inappropriate behavior just wherever at the hands of, you know, I can name several experiences that I have had that rise to that level. And there's beyond that, which is rape and all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you, it's not something you ever want to pursue or talk about or anything. All you yeah. want is to just not have that in your world. So there is really, I would say, n- never reason not to believe the woman unless there's money at stake or some other motive. Like Andrea yeah. Constant was was heard saying that she was going to try to um, extort Bill Cosby, in this way. Like, if there, once you put that kind of incentive there, it creates, it is a moral hazard. It can create false allegations. And that diminishes the credibility of people who really just want to stop this person, do the right thing, or can't get out of the situation.
1: One, and uh, you're not wrong. The last thing I wanted to say is I had a friend the other day who um, went through the TSA, and the TSA agent put his bare hand under her dress and touched her directly. And the last thing she wanted to do was go to the police and tell them that this happened. And so everyone she knew was go to the police, go to the police, go to the police. And it makes it harder for women like her. And that that infuriates me.
0: And the only reason she would do it is because he shouldn't be in that job. Right. She wasn't doing it for any other reason. She felt a moral obligation to try to stop that guy because he was in the wrong job. Mm -hmm. so another thing i noticed in that hearing was these guys i I have been two of my more disgusting uh inappropriate sexual advances that i've experienced were by politicians the politicians i had nothing i didn't want to gain anything from them i just knew them in other contexts one was a guy i used to go to church every morning he was a guy who went to church every morning and he asked me to like go out for coffee i was like okay and they tried to (laughs) kiss me i was like are you fucking kidding me i'm a married woman like i just met you each other like and he started like bragging about his political stuff or whatever. And then I had another experience with a politician that was much, much worse than that. But, um, but these politicians are like always on the make, I think. And I mean that like in the political world and business world, but also sexually, that's just what they are. They're just, I don't know what you would call it, but they're just a, a lot of, I, I think that there's a much higher incidence of sexual harassment, at the hands of those guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just my personal experience. But I was just wondering, as all these guys were kissing these girls' asses up and down in the Senate this morning, I'm like, I can just imagine whose lip you bit down hard on. Like, I just do right. not... You know, like, these guys are so... one. Another thing they have in common is that they're... That I, I think the one thing to kind of uh, paraphrase, I think it was Dostoevsky, or about, like man as a creature can get used to anything. And I think that's the very best way to define him. I would say a politician is a a man who can lie credibly under any circumstance. And that's the very Mm -hmm. best way to define him. Like that is the way like extreme beauty makes you a supermodel. An extremely credible liar makes you a politician. You're just uniquely suited to that role. And there just aren't that many people who are that good at it. So I just, it's the hypocrisy was too much to bear. But the story is a little bit too much to bear. So let us move on. To yeah. a less bad story, which is amazing, because normally this is the worst story in the books. The uh, I, I was listening to Fox News this morning, Hot Fox headlines, only to hear that this guy, I forget his name. I just can't stand him. He's the regular headline guy, at whatever, 9 o'clock in the morning here. And he was, he was talking about how Africa being grossly under-vaccinated is experiencing... <laughs> quote an acute sense of vaccine inequality
1: oh my god
0: what a crock
1: (laughs) just put whatever you're pushing in the moment in front of the word inequality and you you got it You, you you've got your propaganda play right there
0: and it's 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 funny because they even though they are clearly making a choice because people are trying to give them the vaccines they're making a choice they're they're agency is negated entirely you just it's just well they're just too stupid to know
1: well it's like when biden said that black people don't know how to use computers or get driver's
0: licenses right i mean it's it's, (laughs)
1: can you imagine saying that about people like a whole group of people
0: well that's why that's why it's always like the white liberal politicians who say that stupid crap
1: well, it's like in when when I, I know I, I believe it or not, I know several black people and um I, the a lot of them are hesitant or vaccine hesitant, as they call it. For sure. And every single one that I've talked to when I've asked, almost the first sentence that comes out of their mouth is I know what happened with the Tuskegee experiment. Wow.
0: Interesting. I would say it's even more pervasively an issue of just having the experience, the legacy, the heritage of not believing official lies.
1: But yeah, that that I I was, I was like, wow, y'all are pulling out Tuskegee. That's, that's incredible. (laughs) Not everyone knows that, but you guys are just, I love seeing the propaganda. Well, not even the propaganda, the actual conspiracies that are, that we know about being promulgated as a means to go, Hey, maybe you should question this.
0: See, I think that they're trying that all this, um, focusing on race and black lives matter and uh all of that is actually meant to to neutralize or neuter the black culture the black american culture in this country that has that legacy yeah. I think that it's an attack on the black culture in the gu- yeah. guise of saving it. Same thing with American Indians. So taking away the names and any 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 recollection of the history brave or victim or whatever you want to have that history out there, but of course, the, the people who want to repeat it are the ones who are taking it down. So I want to tell you one more thing, and then I know you have a few on this subject. The Indian Bar Association is suing a World Health Organization scientist because she tweeted that the I-word, the drug people use to cure COVID. Oh, the,
1: the horse dewormer.
0: Yes, which gets people <laughs> thrown off of <laughs> podcasting platforms. Does
1: it? That,
0: yes. That, that is the, um, that because she tweeted that one of the provinces, or I don't know what you call Indian places, Tamil Nadu uh, opted out of, so before she tweeted it, they had part of their protocol was to use this drug. And after she tweeted it, they took it out of their protocol their cases skyrocketed by 10 times their wow. uh while the areas of Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, Uttarakhand and Goa I'm sure I'm destroying those pronunciations all dropped almost to zero 98% 97% 94% and 86% respectively after including that protocol in covid treatments and and I would say we I I would say Maybe look into that if people are interested in the efficacy of that. That's pretty That's pretty astounding if that's true. And I would like to see if the numbers are the opposite for remdesivir. Fauci, I think, is associated with remdesivir, and he was the guy who pushed AZT to the point where someone like my brother, who had no symptoms of AIDS, took AZT and died, I think clearly, to him anyway, of AZT poisoning. So I lay that at Fauci's feet, and <laughs> I wouldn't touch anything he's got. <sighs> He's associated with at all.
1: Well, that's that's what's amazing is because they're pushing this vaccine, and one of uh the kind of tried and true uh experiment grounds, in a sense, is Israel. They'll try things in Israel and try to drum up good things in Israel, and say, "Hey, Americans that are on the right, it, ha- it worked in Israel, so we should do it here." Israel mandated the vaccine, and uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but you know most of the people that live there are vaccinated and their case numbers and the deaths are skyrocketing right now.
0: And you know, they have like, they're, they're Orthodox Jews who have a lot, a lot of kids that I think the secular Jews, certainly in New York, my experience, the secular Jews have not, have just a couple of kids and the uh, uh, Orthodox Jews have a lot, a lot of kids. They're the ones in New York. They were ground zero for the measles stuff and everything, the communities right near where I grew up in New York. Because they were they don't get vaccines. Maybe it's changed now, but at the time that was all over the mainstream media. They don't get vaccines. I looked into it in Israel for they had the same if they had the same kind of press in Israel. And yes, they did. They said that the only group that is not accepting, so maybe that's why eighty percent of the people over twelve are vaccinated in Israel. Maybe the Orthodox Jews don't do it even in Israel, in which case. They would have what I consider to be the Amish problem the problem Mm. of having a control group within the larger community to see what the rates are of infection and hyperinfection. You know, because I consider these breakthrough cases are really hyperinfection. Do they come from the vaccines or do they come from that from a strain that has been circulating because the vaccines have that effect on strains? Or, you know, because there are two things a vaccine can do it can make other strains more virulent and it can make you more vulnerable to other strains, both of those things. And they could really study Israel side by side. I've never seen them talk about it like that, but it's an interesting case study. And in any case, the 80% in Israel is enough that they should have herd immunity, not what's actually happening.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing Pfizer goes, okay, so we want to be able to push this uh, booster shot as soon as possible the, um, the administration, Biden administration, wants to push it starting next week, I believe. And so Pfizer is actually bringing Israel, Israeli data to the FDA to try to push through um, the third shot and to to get the approval to go forward with the booster shot. And they say that what happens is uh, about six months after the the second vaccine, things start going down. But six months later, if you take a third shot, it does the same thing as the magical second shot. And so you're back to 95% safe. For how long? Well, I'm guessing about six months because (laughs) I, I, I swear, I, I, I know I, maybe I just misunderstood vaccines my whole life. I know that there are some that only work for certain amounts of time, but I swear they're supposed to last more than six months. (laughs) <laughs> i swear our last our, for
0: a lifetime
1: <laughs> yeah i swear an internal to. internal um immunity memory should last far longer than six months so this that's what they lot, always told us what's the point besides making money for pfizer that's my question and
0: i read a most bizarre article the other day about j and j so only about 14 million people got j and j here 140 million probably got the Pfizer or Moderna, but Pfizer is the one they're pushing. Just the only adolescents can only get Pfizer, for example, and it seems like the worst one. But J and J, I read this bizarre article where people are really felt feel really left out because because Biden isn't suggesting or promoting (laughs) boosters for the J and J vaccine because you don't need one, and they (laughs) feel like. I should That's, get some of that money. They they want yeah <laughs> they want they want the booster. It's like well yeah. What, so, but if you don't need it, what do you want it for?
1: <laughs> so so Pfizer is um is good for kids. What was the age? Twelve to seventeen. Yes, there is emergency
0: use authorization twelve and over for Pfizer, and Comirnaty is supposedly fully approved. I think sixteen or eighteen and over.
1: Um and then in the UK, Moderna has that. In their cap, so Pfizer is not approved there. Moderna is.
0: A Z. AstraZeneca is the UK one, and Moderna. I,
1: I, I was pretty sure Moderna was the only one who could could do kids over there. Oh,
0: oh yeah, maybe.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I believe you. Pfizer has a plan uh, this November to try to get approval for children aged six months to five years, because they before that they're going to try to get that other age range between six and twelve, but. They want to put it into infants by the end of the year or the beginning of next year.
0: But, but I mean, it is possible They they gave infants, the RSV vaccine in, in the sixties and, and kids died because it resulted in vaccine enhanced respiratory disease. This is, and they're, they're not taking that seriously. There's anyway, we've talked about all this before, but I don't know. That's aren't Don't kids not get COVID.
1: Um, I, well, that's the thing. They're they're saying that the Delta variant kids get it, but every time I see this, I can't help but think about thalidomide. Like without without oh, fail, wow. you 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 start talking about kids, pregnant women. I'm thinking yeah. about thalidomide. If you don't yes. know about thalidomide, it's that would well, how, how long an arm and a leg. Well, yeah, literally. Well, and what was it like? It was good for five years before they realized. Oh, these millions of uh, children that are maimed from birth. Oh, that was. That was our fault. It took them five years, yeah, and we haven't had this this oh yeah, wow this uh, vaccine for. Well, I just a want to year. see
0: when they're saying that the that kids are getting it now. If they're all the kids that have been vaccinated, I mean, it seems to me I I don't know any populations. I never knew anybody who actually had it until until the vaccines were rolled out. But yep. we see it's so we just we just I rip do.
1: and chat, but we've got um, I, it's so hard. But let me say one one last thing is I have hope to see. Uh, some perhaps conscientious objectors that are in the army right now, leaving soon, because by December fifteenth, all soldiers in the army are supposed to be mandatorily vaccinated to keep the, to be if they're active duty to keep, stay in the army. So I'm really hoping. I know that that sounds terrible. You don't want to do this to people. What I'm hoping is there's some people who don't want to be a part of this war machine anymore, and they all of a sudden have their out. So do let's they? just can they that. get well, out? What I do. I, I
0: they refuse
1: i have i I don't have a, you know a bunch of data on this, but I do know three different people who were able to get out of their contracts or were able to Maybe they're trying
0: or, to cut staff, honestly, maybe they want to automate everything.
1: I just hope there's some people out there who who don't want to be in the army anymore that are getting the way <laughs> out. That's all I hope.
0: Well, yeah, I do feel for those people. I know they have families and stuff. a lot of people get in there without knowing the full extent of the deception. I don't know. But before we get to the last big story of the Free 30, which is going to take us from to liberal hypocrites from coast to coast, that's what I'm going to call the last free story (laughs) of the last big story of the Free 30. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the patron 15. I want to know if Nicki Minaj means what she tweets or if this (laughs) is set up and I do want to talk a little bit more about the Wall Street Journal, their article on girls and Instagram. We started talking about it yesterday, mm-hmm. but I, I want to get into that a little bit more. And I might even get to a, a story about biomaterial being struggled to Iran, smuggled to Iran, and how it reminded me of the book I'm reading that was recommended in a US Army document on bioweapons. I will tell you about that book and my experience and my interest in the story in the Patron 15. But first a big shout out to the sponsor of today's show. It is our favorite witty libertarians and I can say or wittiest, our wittiest libertarian friends, the Rye guys. Don't forget they take promo code PROP10 It's fun even just to listen to their ads. So let's do it.
2: Freedom. Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there. Yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more. Quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's w-r-y-g-u-y-s.com, Ryguys.com. dot com. The Rye Guys. A Rye Wit for today's shit
0: please support Fry Guys. You can even just go noodle around there, get their website some hits. It'll give you a laugh. I have some fun bumper stickers and t-shirts from there. Also, if you would like to support us directly, you can do so. And normally I tell people just support us, even if you don't like the extra content. But this week we've got some seriously excellent extra content. So Friday... We're going to have a double header. We're not going to do a DNB on Friday, but we are going to do a double header. I've got Union of the Unwanted 9 11 special. And we also have tonight's show, which you are going to want to see live. But if you can't see it live, we will put it in the patron only feed and it will carry on that theme. Uh, it is 9 11 week, and we've got some reflections on that, including reflections about the great Harry Brown, one of my favorite libertarians who was way ahead of it on nine twelve. So that'll be this Friday. And also patron saints have a Zoom party to look forward to. So if you are interested in joining, now would be the time you can be a patron saint, even just for one month. I won't even notice it. You can just join and then change your tier as soon as you're finished with the Zoom party or whatever, as soon as the month turns over, something like that patreon.com slash propaganda report. And once you're there, once you join a tier, you will be able to open all of the old shows and bonus material and everything from that tier since the beginning, if I understand it correctly. So now would be the time. Hopefully, I'll get a couple of patrons today. I always, I go to bed at night and wake up in the morning checking Patreon. I feel like it's a vote of confidence when I see my little got a new patron. So hopefully you will be that patron. Thank you so much. And now on to the last story of the free 30, which is a couple of things. (laughs) AOC. I like to call her Sandy Ocasio since that was her name before she made her name, a political statement, Sandy Ocasio, which is exactly what it would be because you dropped that last name. Uh, Anyway,
1: like Barry Obama.
0: It was Barry Sotero.
1: Yeah. I'm he was just adopted he went by, by Barry. his
0: Indonesian Yeah, Barry Sotero. He was adopted by his Indonesian father, the guy who was the liaison between Union Oil and the US government after the US did a coup in Indonesia. And that's I think around the time his mom worked for Tim Geithner's father at the Ford Foundation. I have right here behind me a uh, Webster Tarpley book, the unauthorized biography of Barack Obama before they got to poor Webster. And wow, it'll knock your socks off. And I think there was another big expose, Wayne famous guy, no, in the Altern in the conspiracy research department. I forget Wayne Matson, maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, there's a big, really, really fascinating CIA backstory of the whole Obama history. But we digress. AOC shows up at I guess it was a Met gala wearing an expensive dress. That said, it was white with blood red letters on it, straight out of the life of Brian, where it says, tax the rich. Now, this is an event that cost $35,000 to attend. And I have concluded, I used to think that it was all just grand conspiracy. It was all Satan worship and stuff like that. But I now, I just, I feel like so much of it, these are venal. I actually looked up that. I had to look up that expression, that word couple of years ago and it's really come in handy ever since venal politicians like people were just in it for like petty monetary reasons i feel mm. like this glamour like these people who call themselves socialists act like they're working for the people even up to angela merkel who you would think by the looks of her didn't care about image at all i'm really conclude that these people are all in it for the image the glamour they couldn't actually get rich using their brains and hard work, so they have to piggyback on it, and they still accept the glamorant image as their own, so I did not like that. I think it's disgusting. She probably doesn't have a big bank account, but that's how the politicians work is that they just have people take them on vacation or invite them to a gala, and they can just do that forever and i I just that 's what that 's how I read this
1: i can't be the only one though that sees a dress with letters scrawled on the back and doesn't and just thinks immediately these are teenagers these are angsty teenagers these are not adults these are not people who are making a difference they're not activists these are like those punk kids in high school that had their their um whatchamacallit uh jean vests and they had edgy crap written on the back of it like that's what this is of course with AOC um, it was a designer gown that was uh, created by it was designed by Brother Vellies' creative director Aurora James, because AOC wanted to make it a double whammy first text the rich and also look at how good I am for raising up black voices.
0: Not everyone could wear that dress, though. That was some that's true. Some number, some tight number on that girl. She does. She is. She's a smoke show. I'm not going to lie. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, and she made, she was able to make like a short statement in her tax the rich dress. But could you imagine? Just imagine with me for a moment how badass it would have been to see Stacey Abrams walk in with the entirety of DOS Capital written in the same typeface and font size just all over her dress. Imagine the, the the amount of, 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 of li- story that could of get little, out there.
0: Of little seamstress fingers it would have taken to <laughs> embroider it letter by letter onto that miles and miles of...
1: <laughs> of fabric.
0: That's really... Um, that That is a fantastic image. That, you really have uh, a gift of imagery there.
1: Cam. I have a gift of making fun of fat people because I am a fat. <sighs> so I can make fun of the fats.
0: Hey, do not shame. We're We need to own... Fat. I. I. You can be fat. <laughs> identify as fat. It, it's like queer. You just own it. Own it. Well, it's baby. like
1: it, it's it's like you know Chris Rock when he does his comedy. He can go out there and he can say whatever he wants. He can he can do the stuff that if a white guy went out there and said he's not able to say it. But since I'm chunky around the middle, I can make fun of fat people, and I'm <laughs> happy about that.
0: I think you're maybe the Declaration of Independence on the front and the Constitution on the back, but you're not the entire text <laughs> of Das Kapital. That is not, you're not that guy. So, but I did want to point out, like, I, I do like to point out that income tax, which is what they're probably talking about. The rich do not, let's define the rich as being the idle rich. People who yeah. don't work, who just live on absentee capitalists, absentee financial people, which is, uh, you know, people who aren't aren't actually going to work every day. They don't pay any income tax at all. None of them is in an income tax bracket of like your income tax. The rich that they're talking about are simply the professional class I was talking about the other day. The people who could go all Ron Paul and go to Washington. They want to tax them to keep them down because they have the education and the resources and the skills to and the knowledge to go and fight these people and that's right. those are the quote rich it's not the rich it's the earnest
1: look at um uh Steve Jobs before he died i'm pretty sure he made a dollar in annual salary from apple i'm pretty sure i want to say that jeff bezos was like 87,000 or something but they take very much smaller salaries so they don't have to pay income tax. Of
0: course. Because
1: they, they get their money off of capital gains, and that's what AOC wants to tax.
0: And they get, oh, what they their capital gains, though, what you can do with that, if you own the stock, you're given the stock, I mean, you can actually, there is a way to do it. It gets a little subtle, a little nuanced how you can take your gains. I think you take your gains and if you make a contribution, you can write that entire thing off your taxes and offset it against ordinary income. So if you have a big tax bill coming due, you can take that, but they, I think they don't adjust it for basis. I don't know. There's something a little screwy about it. There's a few things that are screwy. Carried interest, I think, is a screwy concept. It's where you get a bonus and a performance bonus, but if it's in the form of an interest in the company, and you wait three years to cash it out, it's taxed as capital gains instead of income. Whereas my hmm. husband gets a performance bonus every few years in his contract, and it's taxed as ordinary income. Hmm. And it, and in that year that he gets it, it bumps up our tax bracket to the like well, highest income tax bracket. And then it goes back down, you know, like it's just so uncool, but that's I, how that, it, you know, there are just little nuances that affect the financial class of which I used to be a part more. And I never, I never got my payday cause it's like a tournament. You have to stay till the end, but I yeah. did was aware of how it worked.
1: Well, and that's what always, always pissed me off. You know, so I was in, I was a kid when I had my first jobs and I didn't like FICA. And I didn't like all the stuff that was coming out of my paycheck. But what really made me mad was when I got a hundred dollar bonus and they took forty dollars of it. Yeah. Like that made me furious.
0: <laughs> it's like, what gives those MFers the right to ha- take more of my money than I get? Like as I've I've gotten it where it's more than fifty percent. I lived in New York yeah. and LA and worked. More than fifty percent. When you see that, like that just that'll make want to fight. Yeah,
1: but yeah, we have so much more to talk about, but we're, I know we're, we should probably do it in the patron 15.
0: All right. So I'm going to take, that was the East coast. I'll give you the West coast and the patron 15. Uh, but I have a couple of, of things, little final things, uh, a shout out the legit bat podcast. One of our favorite listeners, a patron saint, people we knew in the community before they had the podcast and the podcast is taking off like crazy. Talk about edgy. I don't know if you know these guys can, but you guys should definitely collaborate at some point. Uh, his shout-out is to the whole Propaganda Report community. Everyone, for the most part, is extremely open-minded and probably the friendliest bunch of people we've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with for the last year. And, of course, to you, Monica, and to Brad, just for being who you are and doing your best to bring us daily news in a no-bullshit way. Thank you. Gosh. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Also, I want to have a meet-up. If, if we go to no- North, if I get a... A meetup in Northern California, legit. Bat will meet us. And I want to do one in Southern California. I was going to do one in September, but it didn't seem to come together. So if anybody wants to do a meetup, no Cal, so Cal, email me at the podcast at gmail.com. And I will, I promise, I will start moving that ball forward. And that's it. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We miss you,